Have you seen that? No? Okay. How many of you would love to do that? Anyone? Yes? If, how many of you would be like the cop where if someone gave it to you, you'd want to just kick them and cuff them and take them away? How many? Anyone? Okay. Do y'all not like pillow fights or something? What? I don't understand. Are we? Okay, good. Well, listen, I obviously am not Steve. Um, I am a lot, uh, a lot prettier. Sorry. I know Catherine's here. I can't I have to say that. I'm sorry. No. I've known Steve for a long time. My name is Matt. I am our online campus pastor here at the church. As well as currently, I do stage 12 elementary at our Hamilton Mill campus. And I love getting to speak to students. This is something I got to do for two years at middle school over at Hamilton Mill. And so while Steve is in Haiti and obviously not here, I thought I would fill in when he asked. I said, absolutely. Now, me and Steve, I, love, I have a lot in common. The most important thing is that we are both UGA grads. Any? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I hear there's some people that like Clemson. Is that right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We don't, we don't really like them. Um, but that video that you just saw about the pillow fighting is one that is actually trending online. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but over the last few days, last few weeks, that has actually started to go viral, this idea of just random pillow fighting. And there are a lot of things in our world, a lot of things in our life that like to go viral, that like to trend. So this whole idea of trending, you're going to be seeing over the next few weeks on Sunday mornings, and we're going to start it here tonight at age 12. Now, um, I do have a question. How many of you know what this is? How many of you know what that little guy is? Okay, I love that there's like a little bit of wisdom where that is actually a pound sign. Um, like, pound, pound sign? Pound, what? Yeah, pound sign. Um, we have turned it in our generation into a hashtag. So that is a hashtag. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you have an, a Facebook account? Facebook? Yes? Hey, be proud of that, okay? You are the privileged people now that get Facebook. When I was in college, the only way to have Facebook is you had to be in college. You had to have a college email address. Now everyone can have it. My seven-year-old niece has it. It's crazy. So, um, second thing, how many of you have an Instagram account? Yeah. Just love to double tap those Insta-Gs. Yeah? Okay. Instagram. How many of you have a Twitter account? Twitter? Yes. Like to tweet. How many of you don't have a Twitter account? Okay. Everyone point, everyone point and laugh. Point and laugh. How many of you don't have an Instagram account? Once again, point and laugh, okay. And Facebook? Okay, that's a little okay, because my mom has Facebook, and ah, well, okay. Now, second question, how many of you have ever, it's time for confession, how many of you have ever used hashtag in normal conversation? Raise your hand, raise your, listen, raise your hand. In normal conversation, you have used the word hashtag. Yeah, okay. See, it's okay. This is hashtag confession. And that's just hashtag embarrassing that you just said hashtag the struggle. Dude, you live in Sugarloaf. This is not hashtag the struggle. Okay. Follow-up question. How many of you have ever, who knows what hashtag TBT means? Hashtag TBT? Throwback Thursday. How many of you have ever posted a throwback Thursday picture? Raise your hand. Just high, proud, raise it, throwback Thursday, okay. How many of you have ever had someone else post a throwback, uh, throwback Thursday picture of you? Mm. You know who loves to post pictures of other people for throwback Thursday? 
moms. You know who else loves to uh, put pictures of Throwback Thursday of other people? My mom. Not even playing. So I thought I would share with you what uh, glorious things my mom has done recently, because my mom is on Instagram. It blows my mind. Uh, I thought I'd show you this one. This happened a few weeks ago. That is, that is me, my sister, my parents, and all of our Olin Mills glory. Um, all of you were born in like the mid-90s, late-90s, is that correct? Who knows what Olin Mills is? And all the old people around the back said, yeah, me. Okay, good. So this is terrible, and that is 1987. I was a stud. Now this, um, I don't know who that guy, that was me at 17. This is my senior picture, and my mom decided to share it with the world. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Uh, I have something called BFS. It's actually a really difficult thing to deal with. Uh, anyone know what BFS is? It's, a, it's just really disheartening. It's called baby face syndrome. Anyone? Yes? Okay. That was me uh, at 17. Now, my mom decided to do that, but listen, my mom is not the only one that is guilty of, I guess, making mistakes with social media, doing things with technology wrong. So don't just hate on my mom, all right? It's not just Laura. All moms like to do this. How many of your moms like to do something that you would think is embarrassing when it comes to technology or social media? Okay. Um, if there are any moms in the room, I'm sorry. Listen, it's just what it is. And Jimmy Fallon actually decided to take hold of this. So Jimmy Fallon, the host of The Tonight Show, asked his people, his viewers, his audience to get something trending. And it has to do with moms and social media. And so he asked everyone to post to Twitter their favorite or worst mom text. The text that mom sent, and you had to put hashtag mom texts. So I, I listen, we have to watch it. It's incredible. So for a few of them, I thought I would share. Y'all take a look. So last night I went on Twitter. I started a hashtag called mom texts. <laughs> and I asked you guys, yeah, uh, to tweet out something funny, weird, or embarrassing that your mom texted you. Uh, we got thousands of tweets. Within 20 minutes, it was a worldwide trending topic. <laughs> Thank you for those tweets. Gotta be. Everyone has them. Uh, they're really funny. Uh, now I thought I'd share some of my favorite mom texts from you guys. Here we go. This first one's from at uh, D Atkinson 69. He says, "I texted her, have a great day, love you, heart." She texted back, "Thanks, I will." But what does less than three mean? <laughs> Means you're over yeah. the age of 50. Yeah. yeah. Um, I once got a text from my mom where you're amazing autocorrected to you're adopted. <laughs> you told me through a text? <laughs> <laughs> my mom couldn't figure out punctuation, so she would type it out. How are you, question mark? <laughs> I'm good, exclamation yeah. point. My mom once texted my phone at home saying, hey, you forgot your phone at home. <laughs> you have... <laughs> now, how many of you have mom texts that would be similar to that in some regard? Okay, okay. So moms might be guilty of, I guess, handling social media and technology in a wrong way. But you know what we are all guilty of when it comes to social media and technology? A lack of patience. Every single one of us in this room, especially in your generation, is guilty of a lack of patience due to the world around us, the technology that we have, and even social media. Because what it has done is it has said, you can have what you want when you want it. 
If you want to go and see what in the world it looks like to raft down the Colorado River, you can actually Google Raft Colorado River and you can watch a street view rafting the Colorado River. You don't even have to go there anymore. Everything that you want to do is at your fingertips and it all happens right now. Did you know that the average time spent on a website is less than five seconds? That means that everyone in this room is ADD. It's just what it is. We, by nature, because of our technology, have this lack of patience. And I would actually call it one other word. We are all restless. We are restless in our world. We are restless with the things that happen. We are restless to the point where we hate waiting. How many of you like to wait? And I'm the only hand raised, and I understand why, because no one does. No one likes to wait. In our world, the thing that it has started to trend for us is restlessness. In our world, restlessness is trending. And so if restlessness is something that is trending, if that's something that we have to deal with, then how in the world can we live in a society that has technology and social media and not get caught up in it? How in the world can we have the opposite of that? And so what we're going to talk about tonight is the difference between restlessness and patience. The difference between restlessness and patience. And let me, let me just explain what happens. So, over to the whiteboard. I know it's like summertime. Why is he drawing stuff? It's fine. It's, like, it's not school. There's no homework yet. Um, so, in your life, things are going to, that fell, things are going to happen, and then you're going to have to wait for them. So, freshman, you get to high school, and all of a sudden, there are senior girls in your school. Sweet mercy. They are so hot. It just, you can't even handle it. And yet, you're going to have to wait for your purity. Okay, girls, you're about to get to college, some of you in this room. There are going to be just opportunities to meet all these boys. You're going to have to wait for your purity. See, restlessness shows itself everywhere, and at the beginning of it is this, it does not turn, so I'm just going to write like this. Every one of us are going to have decisions we have to make, and they're all going to resolve, they're going to revolve around the decision of waiting. Are you going to wait, or are you going to be ADD like the culture wants you to do, and be restless? Because see, you're going to have a choice to make every time you have to wait. Every time you wait on something, you have a decision to make. You can go one of two ways. You can go this way, and you can choose restlessness. Those of you behind me, I'll move in a second. You can choose restlessness, or the opposite of it, you can choose patience. Now, there is a vast difference in the two of these. Let me tell you why. If you choose restlessness, what you are choosing is something that is in the kingdom of man. Restlessness is trending in the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of earth, when it comes to our flesh, restlessness is trending. But if you choose patience, this is trending in the kingdom of God. What God desires for us in our life is patience. The reason we know God desires that for us is because God is patient. God is not pacing. He's patient. He's not sitting there going, oh man, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Is he going to kiss her? Oh gosh, he he better not kiss her. If he does, it's going to go bad. He better not kiss her. God, God is not doing that. He's not anxious. He's not restless in heaven. 
He's patient for us, and we see that in the Bible. So we all have a decision to make whenever we're waiting. Are we going to be restless in our waiting? Are we going to be patient in our waiting? Here's what they end up getting for us. If you choose restlessness, it leads to regret. Restlessness will always lead to regret. The periods and times of your life where you have to wait, if you choose to be restless, it will lead to regret. But if you choose patience, it will lead to peace. Patience will always lead to peace, and restlessness will always lead to regret. Now, like I said, all of us are restless, and we're not just restless when it comes to technology and social media. We're restless with our purity, or we don't want to wait. See, it just, it just got real, real quick. Because we like guys and girls, and they're all attractive. Guys, we're not attractive. Let's just get that out, out of the door real quick. But girls, y'all are attractive. You're pretty. And we like you. And guys, I know what it's like to be in high school and have to deal with really pretty girls all around you that maybe one of them, if you really trick them really well, might like you. But you have to deal with waiting for your purity. And you have a choice to make. Will you choose to wait with restlessness? Or will you choose to wait with patience? If you choose to wait with restlessness, it leads to regret. Because when you're restless, you do something on your own time. See, here's what restlessness is. Restlessness says it's all about you, and it's all about your way, and it's all about your time. But patience says it's all about God, and it's all about God's way, and it's all about God's time. So in your purity, if you choose restlessness, you're saying, you know what, God, I don't want to wait until I'm supposed to be able to experience this blessing that you've given me. So I'm going to betray my purity because I'm restless, and I'm going to do something that I know I shouldn't, and I'm going to regret it. Or you can say, God, I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to be patient. And as a result of my patience, I'm going to find peace because I know that you're with me, and you have the best out for me, so I can trust in you. See, all of us in our decisions of restlessness, we have to choose this. With school, are you going to be restless in school? And say, this is just, you know what, I, I just can't do it. So I'm not going to care anymore. Are you going to sacrifice, not caring, sacrifice your future by being restless in school? Are you going to be patient and realize it is a grind and it is not easy, but there is payoff and it is worth it? With your faith, are you going to be restless, careless, not doing anything, not going after your faith? Are you going to be patient and realizing that maybe you have to wait on God to show up? Maybe God doesn't always answer right now, but he always does answer. Are you going to be restless with your family, not getting along with your brother and sister, being a jerk to your parents because you don't want to listen to them? Are you going to be patient and wait for God's timing and how things occur and things happen in your life? See, we're all restless. You know how I know that we're all restless? Every single one of us, we are born restless. Because I have a two-year-old at home, and patience is like the opposite of him. Can I just explain that? what that is? He turns two on Saturday. I thought I'd show you a picture. So girls, you can go, oh, okay, it's going to happen. This is my son, Bowen. That is Bowen. Yes, I knew it would happen. He is a stud muffin. Um, he's eating a muffin, too. But uh, this lovely lady with him is Lala. That is my mom. That is the one who likes to post embarrassing pictures of me. But that is Bowen. Bowen has no 
concept of patience. And it's not like he willingly wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be an impatient, difficult little jerk today. I'm just going to do it. And mom and dad are going to love it. No, he has no concept of patience. What Bowen knows is, I want that. Well, I'm going to want it right now. I'm not going to wait. I want it now. He's two. And he actually doesn't say, I want it or mine. Um, He says, Bowen's turn. And there's like the pause in the middle too. And he already speaks in third person, so he's got some just confidence is what he has. But Bowen, at two years old, is terribly impatient. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't even have to have a son to know this. You look at little babies, and what do they want? Whatever they want. They're going to go get it right now. They have no patience. Patience is not something that is natural for us. It is something that we have to learn. It's something we have to grow in. It's something that, if it's not natural, it is supernatural. Our default is restlessness. But our spirit wants to drive towards patience. We know this because God is patient. He's not pacing. He's patient. So if restlessness says it's all about you and your way and your timing, patience says it's all about God and His way and His timing. Restlessness declares, God, I don't trust you. But patience declares, God, I trust you. Restlessness always leads to regret. Patience always leads to peace. So if you're wondering what in the world patience is, because it's not my son Bowen, this guy Lewis Smeeds says this, Patience is the spirit's silent strength to wait until it has what it hopes for. Let me say that again. You bring it into your brain place. I'm going to say it through my mouth hole. Patience is the spirit's silent strength To wait until it has what it hopes for. It's a silent strength to wait until it has what it hopes for. But whose strength is it? It's the Spirit's silent strength. Patience is spiritual. It is supernatural. It is not natural. We actually see in Galatians chapter 5. I'll read it. You don't have to Bible drill there. If one of you want to get there before I do, then I'll say, yay, you're a super Christian. Um, But... Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read from from my version, some of you might have a different one. Um, This is called a Bible, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, This this is not a Bible, okay? But I know that many of you just use this, this is, it's crazy. There's like pages and words and some of them have gold, it's awesome. But in my Bible, we're going to look in Galatians in the New Testament, chapter 5, and verse 22. And it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Because again, patience is the Spirit's silent strength to wait until it has what it hopes for. So if it is the Spirit's strength, then we see in verse 22 the things that come from the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so before we get to this verse, we see the things that it is not. We see the things of the flesh. We see the things that make us restless. But fruit of the Spirit, what comes from God, the gift from God, one of them is patience. It is a gift from God. It is not natural. We are not born with it. It is supernatural, and it comes from Him. But I've also learned this about patience. It's not something that we automatically just totally understand. So there are many things that are gifts from above. There are many things that are gifts from God. Grace is a gift from God. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to do anything to grow in grace. Boom, you have grace if you have Jesus. 
It's a gift freely given to us. But there are other gifts given to us from above that we have to grow in. We have to mature in. One of those is patience. So if we need to grow in it, then we need to train it. If you want to gain in patience, you have to train in it. See, that's something that I have learned in my life. And I've learned this because my default is restlessness. When things don't go my way, it is extremely easy for me to automatically default to trying to manipulate everything around me to make it go my way. Because when I live in restlessness, it's all about me. It's all about my timing. It's all about my way. So I manipulate situations. I manipulate relationships. I manipulate my parents. I manipulate my school. I manipulate my job. I manipulate my relationships. I manipulate my morals to make it about me. If my default is that, then I have to train towards patience. If we want to gain it, we have to train it. So how in the world can we train in patience? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because I have two ways that we can train for patience. Patience is not something that's natural, it's supernatural. And so let's train it. The first way is by praying. Is by prayer. Now prayer is an exercise of patience, and here's why. A lot of times we pray like it's the genie from Aladdin. Just, all right, I have three wishes. Uh, let's see, I want her to like me, I want to make the team, and I want to look good. No, that's not what prayer is. See, that what I just did, the ridiculousness of that, as silly as it is, we do the exact same thing. Because a lot of times we treat prayer like it is us getting God on our agenda. And what is our agenda? It's my way. It's my timing. It's restlessness. Prayer is not about you. It's not about God getting on your agenda. It is about you getting on God's agenda. So prayer, yes, we take our petitions to God. We, we tell Him the things that are on our heart because He already knows them. We give Him everything that we have and we say, Father, this is where I'm at. Would you come and meet me? But at the end of the day, if we follow the model of prayer that we see in Jesus, prayer is not about getting God on our agenda. It's about us getting on God's agenda. It has everything to do with saying, Father, this is what I desire, but your will be done. Father, this is my hope. This is my heart. This is my desire. But at the end of the day, your will be done. Saying, God, your will be done means not mine. It means that in the waiting of praying and hoping, I'm going to choose to say, Father, this is about you and your timing. I'm going to be patient and wait on you. This is what I want, but I'm not going to put this first. I'm going to put you first. Because prayer is not about getting God on your agenda. It's about you getting on God's. So prayer is one way that we can train in patience. The second way we can train in patience is with gratitude. Now, I would imagine that if I asked you, are you thankful for the things that you have? Every person in this room would say yes, except for hashtag struggle face over here. <laughs> All of us would say, well, yeah, I'm thankful. But how many times do we verbalize our gratitude? So there's a practice that I have been taught from one of my mentors that I think would be really good for you to have. If you want to train in patience and you want to practice with gratitude, you can do this thing called first and ten. First and ten. Now, for me, the first time I heard this, I was like, sweet, we're playing football? Like, I'm, I'm totally down. No, first and ten. 
first thing in the morning when you wake up, say 10 things you're thankful for. The first thing you do in the morning when you wake up is you say 10 things that you're thankful for. What this does is it focuses on what you have, not what you don't have. I can't be thankful for something that I hope for and don't have yet. I'm thankful for the things I have. It's gratitude. So first and ten, first thing in the morning, thank God for ten things that you have. It shifts your focus to where now you're no longer restless for the things you don't have, but you are thankful for the things that you do have. It increases your patience because now you're putting it back on God, saying, God, you are my provider. Look what you've given me. I can trust you. And we see what patience looks like many times in the Bible. You can go do a word search of patience, and you'll find it in both Testaments, littered through all the books. But there's one story that I love. Maybe you've heard it before. It's the story of Abraham. Abraham exudes patience because he waited. How many of you are 18 years old in this room? 18? Okay. Okay. Live eight more years? He lived that out waiting on a, on, a, on a promise. He waited more than 25 years for God to bring the payoff for the promise. That's a lot of patience. This lady called Kay Watson. She's called Kay Watson? That's her name. I don't know why she'd be called, not her name, so I'm sorry. Her name is Kay Watson. In this book she has about, uh, that focuses on the story of Abraham, she says this. There are many references to this type of waiting in the Bible. Talking about patience. Let's consider God's servant Abraham first. What a trusting and patient man Abraham must have been. We know that from the 12th chapter of Genesis that God called Abraham to leave his homeland and his father's household, everything he ever knew, to move to a place that he would show him. The command came with great promises to Abraham and to his family, but nevertheless, Abraham was not informed as to where he was to relocate. So Abraham, you're going to go. Where, where, where am I going to go? You're just going to go. Okay, I'm going to go. You can read this account in Genesis 12, 1 through 9. We are not given any indication that Abraham questioned God concerning this journey. He simply left, as the Lord told him, traveling from Ur to the land of Canaan. This distance, get this, this distance would have covered 2,000 miles. So for 2,000 miles, Abraham's like, I don't know where I'm going, but God told me to go, so let's just keep on walking. He's patient. He's patient on what God has for him. He realizes that, God, your promise is greater than anything I can do, so I'm going to make this about you and your way and your timing, and not me and my way and my timing. What patience it must have taken on the behalf of Abraham and Sarah as they traveled day after day, year after year, waiting for the Lord to tell them that they had arrived at their destination. Along with the promise of a new homeland, this is where it gets even crazier, Abraham and Sarah were also promised a son. We know that they waited many years for the fulfillment of this promise since Ishmael, the son of Sarah's handmaid, was about 14 at the time of Isaac's birth. So God gives Abraham a promise. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And through that son, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. You are going to fill the earth with your offspring. Does anyone know how old Abraham is when he gets that promise? 76 years old. The dude had a walker, and God's like, listen, you're going to have a baby. He waits 14 years 
And then he has, sorry, waits 10 years and has Ishmael. But what he does with Ishmael is he loses his patience. He's waited 10 years. God, 10 years, God, I've been waiting. Where's my son? Like, this isn't happening. We, like, my wife's not getting any younger, okay? The wife of my youth was gone a long time ago. Where's my son? And he starts to get restless. And so Abraham and Sarah come up with this plan. Okay, out of our restlessness, we're just going to go ahead and make this happen. We're going to manipulate the situation, and we're going to make a son occur. And so Sarah gives Abraham, gives her husband her handmaid and says, go and have a son with her. So picture that in modern terms. It would be like my wife telling me to go to some random girl, have sex with her, and have a son with her. Okay, you're laughing. When my wife hears the story, she's like, that sickens me. I don't want to do that. But out of their restlessness, they got crazy. You know what happened? Ishmael was born. And the Bible says that they have been essentially regretting that decision ever since. But not just Abraham and Sarah, the entire world. Because Isaac is the one that God wanted to actually bring the blessing to. So she continues, We know that they waited many years for the fulfillment of the promise since, uh, since Ishmael, the son of Sarah's handmaid, was about 14 at the time of Isaac's birth. So how old was Abraham when Isaac was born? Yeah, there you go. Y'all are smart. 100 years old. 100 years old, and he has a son. Ishmael and Isaac both suffered because of Sarah's failure to wait on God. The complete account is found in Genesis 15 through 18. What happens in Abraham's story is we see this incredible patience, but we also see incredible restlessness. Because he decided to get restless. He didn't want to wait anymore and be patient anymore for God. And so what he and Sarah chose to do is circumvent God's plan and do it on their own. When they did that, Ishmael was born. And the Bible says that Ishmael and Isaac, for the rest of time, would be at strife with each other. Ishmael would become, now what we know, as the father of the Muslim nation. Isaac, for what we know, would be the man who would have the descendants that would lead to the Jewish nation, that would lead to Jesus, that would eventually lead to all of us. Even today, we find strife between Christians and Jesus-centered people and Muslims. Isaac and Ishmael. And it all happened because they got restless. That led to a lot of regret. Now, Abraham and his story, we actually see that this comes up again. And in Hebrews chapter 6, I just ripped my new Bible. My wife is going to punch me. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 6, we see in verse, in verse 15, I'm just going to read it to you. Or in verse 13, I'm sorry. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. Through Isaac. That was the promise he gave to him. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited. Having what? He waited, but was he restless in his waiting? Once he was patient in his waiting, he obtained the promise that God gave to him. Go down to verse 19. 
We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as the forerunner on our behalf. So what we see through Abraham is that this plays out in both scenarios. But ultimately, because of his patience, he found God's payoff, which brought him a lot of peace. In your life, you're going to have a decision to make. Are you going to choose to be patient in your waiting? Or are you choose to be restless? We have to train up in prayer. We have to train up in gratitude. And when we do this, we start to live that life that Abraham displayed for so long. And then our faith is increased and it becomes the anchor of our soul. We become tethered around God versus tethered around the world. If restlessness is trending in the world, then patience is trending in heaven. Now that's two ways that you can train in patience. Prayer and gratitude. But there's one way that patience, once you get it, it trains you. And that's with trust. Restlessness declares, God, I don't trust you. Patience declares, God, I trust you. There's a story of these trapeze artists. Have any of you ever gone to Cirque du Soleil? Who knows what Cirque du Soleil is? Okay, who knows what a trapeze is? People crazy flying like monkeys everywhere? Okay. Henry Nowen wrote about this story, about a time he got to spend with some trapeze artists. And I, this picture, this is the picture exactly of what we need to live out. One day I was sitting with Rodley, the leader of the troop called the, the, the Flying Rodleys. Okay, the Flying Rodleys is a trapeze group. I was sitting with Rodley in his caravan talking about flying. He said, as a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think that I am the great star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. He has to be there for me with split-second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in a long jump. How does it work, I asked. The secret, Rodley says, is that the flyer does nothing. The catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I have to simply stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. You do nothing, I said, surprised. Nothing, Rodley repeated. The worst thing the flyer can do is to try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It's Joe's task to catch me. If I grab Joe's wrist, I might break them or he might break mine, and that would be the end for us both. A flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch, and the flyer must trust without stretched arms that the catcher will be there for him. When Rodley said this with so much conviction, the words of Jesus flashed through my mind. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Dying is trusting in the catcher. To care for the dying is to say, don't be afraid. Remember that you are the beloved child of God. He will be there when you make your long jump. Don't try to grab him. He will grab you. Just stretch out your arms and your hands and trust, trust, trust. When you live out a life of patience and you choose that for yourself over restlessness, it increases your trust in God. It gives you the ability to say, Father, I don't understand how in the world this is going to play out. It seems impossible for me to control my hormones right now and fight for my purity. But God, I'm going to trust in you. I know I can be patient because Jesus was patient. I know I can trust in you because Jesus trusted in you. 
I know that all I have to do is hold on my arms and wait on you to catch me because you are the catcher. I'm the flyer. I'm going to take the step of patience and trust that you're on the other side. Because when you choose patience, it brings peace. Patience will always lead to peace. But if you choose restlessness, it will always lead to regret. So the question I would leave you with is where are you restless in your life? Where are you just struggling with being patient? If you think real hard, every single one of you can think of one place in your life right now where you are just struggling with patience. Where are you restless? God desires for you to trend towards patience and peace, not towards restlessness and regret. He wants you to live the best possible life, and that life is one that's filled with patience. So, the next seven days, I would challenge you to practice two things in training your patience. One, pray. Pray in a way that says, God, I want to get on your agenda, not try to put you on mine. And the second thing is have gratitude. Practice first in ten. First thing in the morning, give thanks to God for ten things that he's given you. Ten things that you have. And live a life of patience, not restlessness. Let me pray for y'all. Father, I thank you, first off, that you give us the picture of Jesus. That through his life we see patience. I thank you for other stories like Abraham. For these accounts, these depictions, these examples that we can go live out of patience. But Father, I also know that it's not natural and that it's not easy. I myself am extremely guilty of leaning into my own restlessness. But Father, I pray that for these students, that they would have the courage and the boldness to find and follow you. To find you in prayer and to say, God, would you get me on your agenda? Whatever that means, I want to wait on your will. Would you give us the ability to wake up in the morning before like 1 p.m. and just be thankful for the things you've given us? And God, I pray that as we choose to live a life of patience instead of the life of restlessness, that we would find you in the center of it. Because the world and our culture, our social media, our technology, our friends, everyone is saying, go get what you want right now. But God, we know that you are saying there are greater things than that and you just got to wait for me to move. So, Father, everything is in your hands, and we trust in you for that. We lean into your authorship. We lean into your sovereignty, and I ask that you'd be glorified in these students' lives and everything they do. Jesus, would you be seen, would you be lifted up, and would you be on the throne of our lives, Father? So we thank you so much for everything that you've done, for who you are, for the patience that you allow us to have, and I pray you would give that to us. In the name of Jesus, amen.